So um, I found some quotes uh, that have to do with worry, and uh, they'll be up here on the screen. So the first one goes like this. You probably wouldn't worry about what people think of you if you could know how seldom they do. (laughs) Next one says, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Carrying two days at once. That's Corey Ten Boom. Another one goes like this. Worrying actually works because 95% of the things I worry about never happen. (laughs) Ralph Waldo Emerson said this. Sorrow looks back. Worry looks around. Faith looks up. And then here's my favorite. Don't worry about the world coming to an end today. It's already tomorrow in Australia. (laughs) So today's message is called uh, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And we're resuming our series in Matthew, and we're in chapter 6. So right smack in the middle of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus turns the topic to one about worry and anxiety. So it it may be timely. Uh, Our three points today are going to be valuable, useless, and effect. So uh, if you have a Bible, you can be turned into Matthew chapter 6. And then if you don't have one with you, the uh, the scripture will be up there on, on the screen as we go along. So again, our message today is called Don't Worry, Be Happy. And our three points are valuable, useless, and effect. So let's pray together and let's see what God has for us. Dear Lord, uh, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, you're always faithful. I thank you, you really are the awesome God that we read about that we can pray to, the one we sing about, Lord. And Lord, I pray uh, that you would speak to each one of us, whether we're here or if we're online. Lord, I pray you would speak to all of our hearts about anxiety and about worry. Lord, I pray these words of Jesus, spoken so long ago, would penetrate our hearts and change us today. Lord, we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so our first point today is valuable. And here's a simple thought. You are valuable in God's sight. In this gigantic universe, you may feel insignificant, but God has gone through great lengths to communicate to each one of us that we actually are precious in his sight. So I mentioned earlier that we're right in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and he had just finished a topic talking about storing our treasures in heaven and about serving God and God alone. And then he wanted us to turn our minds to heavenly thoughts. And then he changes the subject. And he begins in Matthew 6, verse 25, and he says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. So when I read this, I began to wonder, why did Jesus go from that first topic to this one? And again, he was just talking about heavenly thoughts. He was talking about storing our treasures in heaven. And he was talking about serving God and God alone. And now he begins to talk about worry and anxiety. So I had a couple of thoughts on that. The first thing I thought is this, is he changes the subject because we all worry. Okay, in some shape or manner or form, uh, we all worry from time to time. And the second reason I think is this, is that, again, he was just talking about thinking about eternity, having our minds, storing our treasures in heaven and serving God and him alone. And now what would be the greatest hindrance to that? It would be the things that hinder us here on earth 
and where our minds go when we're not thinking heavenly, right? When we begin to get anxious and when we begin to worry. So I started thinking about just kind of making a list, you know, and we worry about different things depending on uh, how old we are, right? Because as kids uh, and you young people, you can probably relate to this, but as kids, I was trying to remember back when I was, you know, way back there was a day when I was young. And I think, what, what, what are the kind of things that you worry about when you're young? You worry about your grades, right? Your friends, what they think. You worry about school. You worry about maybe athletic success if you're involved in a sport. Or maybe you have a music recital coming up. You probably worry about the future, maybe your career, or if you'll ever make it as a gamer, that kind of thing. And then you get a little older, right? What are the things adults worry about? We worry about health. Think about how many conversations you've had in the last year about COVID and vaccinations alone. Just that one or those two topics. What about finances, right? We worry about debt. We think about inflation. We think about retirement. We think about future. We think about the unknown. We think about the possible death of a spouse or a loved one. We worry about our kids. We worry about our grandkids. And so... It's never ending. And again, we're all different. So, so, uh, and by the way, you know, we call ourselves Christians. So the Christian word for worry is concern. But the truth is, if we're honest, right, underlying, there is that anxiety. And Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life, about what you eat, what you drink, or what you put on. Now, let me say this before we move forward. There's wisdom in planning for the future. So uh, our part is to work legally and lawfully, right, to earn a living. And, uh, and you know, you, you take that and you, you give part, you save part, and you live within your means, right? So there's the part that we do. And that's not what Jesus is condemning here. What he is talking about is a distrustful care for earthly things, the things of life. Uh, there's an anxiety um, there's the tormenting thoughts that keep us up late at night. If you think about it, that kind of anxiety, it interrupts our joy in Christ. And it robs us of the hope we have in eternity. And it might, just think about this, it might reveal that maybe your heart and your treasure is more here on earth than you realized. And again, if you think about how Jesus tied these two topics together, he had just finished talking about storing our treasures in heaven and about loving God and him alone. And now he switched to this topic. And so there's a connection there. And by the way, in case you worry that you're the only one that worries, (laughs) you're in a great group here because, I mean, everybody does. It affects us all uh, at at one point or another. Sometimes people ask this. I actually had a a conversation with my kids about this about a month or two back. And the question was, is it wrong or is it sinful to worry? And I think a better question would be this. What do you do when you worry or when you feel that anxiety? Because, again, it touches us all in one way or another. So Jesus said, don't worry about life or food or clothing. It reveals a disbelief in God's promises to provide for his children. So if you look back, if you look back in your life, you will see times when God has provided abundantly and you had more than you needed. And there's times you can look back and you can see times when God provided just enough. 
And then there's been times, and maybe you're in one now, where you have need and you're feeling that anxiety more than normal. And you're asking God, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, sometimes, honestly, God puts you in a spot where, where everything hasn't been provided through your own work. And so, as hard as this is, sometimes you have to lean on other people. And you know, when I think about those times, because we've had those. I mean, Connie and I have had those times. Well, I think about this. It's hard to ask sometimes for help. But you know what? That's why God gave us the body of Christ. I mean, that's why he calls us family, y'all. That's what family is about, is being there for one another. So at this point, he asks a comforting question. And he says this, is not life greater than food and the body greater, greater than clothing? And so just think about that for a second, y'all. Food and clothing. Food and clothing come from earth, but your life and body, right? That came directly from God, if you think about it. And here's what he's asking. He's saying, if I can produce your life and your body, well, don't you think I can produce the other? Right? He said, it's not life greater than food, body greater than clothing. He's saying, if he could produce your birth and bring you this far along, is he not able to continue to provide? If you can trust him with your soul and with eternity, really think about this. If you can trust him with your soul and with eternity, can you trust him with the temporal things? I want us to read First Chronicles uh, chapter 9, verse 11, and it goes like this. It says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all in your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. It's a great verse to, uh, to ponder, those, those couple of verses there. When we acknowledge God as the source of all good things, when we acknowledge God as the source of all good things, it becomes easier to trust him to keep his promises. So at this point, Jesus switches to a very simple, everyday occurrence. And we see that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Here's what he tells his audience. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? It's a simple idea. Look at the birds. When's the last time you did that? Just look at the birds and observe the birds. Learn from them is what Jesus is saying. Observe them. Meditate on that idea. They don't sow, reap, or gather. But yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. I want you to think about, I have this picture of these birds here. I want you to think about just how many varieties of birds there are in the world. I mean, there's really hundreds and hundreds. And think about the ways they all eat and the way God provides differently for each species. 
And really just ponder that thought, y'all. Because, you know, sometimes I think Jesus spoke in metaphor. But I think in this case, I think he literally meant, look at the birds. Like, really look at them and think about how God provides for them. And then he asked this question. As they're thinking about birds, he's asked this question. Are you not of more value than these? Let me ask a few questions here, y'all. Christ died for the sins of mankind. Well, aren't the heirs of heaven more important than the birds of the air? Right? Did Christ die for the birds? I know it's a dumb question, but did Christ die for the birds? Well, no. But he died for us, didn't he? Did the heavenly father offer to adopt the birds into his family? No, they're his creation. And he takes care of them. But what he offers is to adopt each one of us into his family through Christ. If God could send a savior to die for our sins. You follow what I'm saying? If God could send a savior to die for our sins. Pay the way so we could have eternal life with him. Eternal life with God. Do you think he can take care of this little temporary life that we live in? Do you ever notice what birds do when they're not working? Do you ever notice? They chirp, they sing, they whistle, they caw. Birds are chilled out. Okay, so I want you to write that down, right? Birds are chilled out. Birds, birds don't worry. I want to look one more time at Matthew six twenty six, where it says, look at the birds of the air. I want us to read that together. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? I want to talk about two words, extrinsic and intrinsic. We're going to talk about value. Okay, so first I want everybody to say the word extrinsic. One more time, extrinsic. Okay, extrinsic value is when something's value lies outside of itself. Okay, what I'm holding up here is a dollar bill. But really, all it is is a piece of paper. Just like the piece of paper where I have my notes. They're both materially, they're just pieces of paper. But this one, the dollar bill, its value lies outside of itself. There's a government that determines you know, what this is worth in today's currency. And if something were to happen to that government, suddenly the value of this piece of paper would be gone. And it would be worth no more than my notes. Because its value is extrinsic. It lies outside of itself. Now, I want to talk about this ring on my finger. Okay? It is a wedding ring. And it does have sentimental value. But beyond that, it has intrinsic value because it's made of gold. And that means if the same thing were to happen... Heaven forbid, don't mean to make you worry, but (laughs) let's say if the government crashes, okay, that, do you know what? This ring would still have value. I could go somewhere, either here or in another place, another country, and the ring would still retain its value because its value is intrinsic. It lies within itself. And here's the deal. The enemy wants you To think that your value is extrinsic. The enemy and the world 
tries to teach us that your value or you're only valuable or you're more valuable when you wear the right kind of clothes or you have the right kind of job or have so much money or so much popularity or your looks, right? Extrinsic value. But Almighty God says that you have intrinsic value. In other words, you always have value in the eyes of God because he made you and because he loves you. And like I said earlier, he sent his son to die for mankind, not for anyone else or anything else created. The enemy tries to teach us that our value is extrinsic. And so when those things get shaken, whether it's our looks, right, as we get older, I don't want to poke any fun, but I'm getting there too, right? So, but you know what I'm saying? Or our finances, all those things can be taken away, right? And so if, if you think about your values being extrinsic, every time one of those things is questioned, well, then you begin to wonder about your value. But yet God Almighty says on your best day, on your worst day, your value is intrinsic, that he loves you. He has paid an enormous price. A dear price for each one of us to remind us of that. Jesus says, look at the birds and you can learn. You can learn about God. Uh, years ago, uh, so, you know, I think everybody knows that off and on uh, over the last 10 years, I'd say about seven of those years, I've worked part time as a chaplain for hospice. OK, currently I'm not. But. Uh, uh, once a year, we would do a hospice memorial service, and that would be for all the families who had lost a loved one in that in that year. So one year, uh, we did the memorial service at uh, the gazebo in Abita. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about the big the big gazebo, and we were upstairs. And, uh, and there was going to be a whole, uh, we were going to have some music and then uh, a message. And then at the very end, we were going to have a butterfly release. Now, I didn't know this, but, but uh, whenever you see a, a butterfly release, if you ever hear about that, they actually can send those in a little box. And those butterflies can live for like three or four days. It's amazing. And they're each in a little bitty envelope. Okay, and so we got enough of those butterflies so that each family could could have one of those butterflies. And then all at the same time, they were going to release those butterflies and it was going to be a symbolic thing about, you know, releasing their loved one, that kind of thing. Well, (laughs) what we didn't know was nearby there was bunches of birds in the trees (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and while we were getting those butterflies out of the envelopes, those birds were licking their beaks. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it was it was like one of these three counts, you know, one, two, three, and everybody released. And within seconds, you heard you heard exclamations and you heard people laughing. You heard other people, you know, making sad sounds. But everybody had the same story. As soon as I let go of my butterfly, it flew maybe two or three feet. And then whoom, these birds came by and ate every single one because God wanted me to remind you today that he can feed the birds. God, God can take care of the birds. And you know what, y'all? We are so much more important to God than the birds. All right. You can write that down, too. OK, it's actually, it's already written. All right. Our second point today is useless. Here's the idea. Your worry. In fact, I'm gonna include myself. Our worry and our anxiety is useless. Y'all, our stress is useless. It will not achieve 
anything good. Okay. Before we read a Bible verse, I want to ask you this question. Do you feed that monster? Right. In other words, let me ask it this way. Do you rehearse the stories that reinforce your faith or do you rehearse the stories that inflate your anxiety? Like, what do you talk about when you're with your friends or family? Right. Do you mostly tell the stories that reinforce your faith or do you mostly tell stories that inflate your anxiety? Okay, let's talk about feelings for a second. A little while ago, we sang the song. Amy was singing it. uh, Goodness of God. As you were singing that song, if you could focus on what the words were saying, this is what you were singing. You were singing all my life. You have been faithful all my life. You have been so, so good. Now, what kind of feeling does that evoke in you? When you sing those words, even when you just say those words or listen to those words. Now, versus this, when I say these words, what kind of feelings do you get? Okay, you ready? Obama, Trump, Biden, Latoya, the destroyer. Okay, you get what I'm saying? Okay, a whole different feeling, y'all. I'm asking, do you feed the monster? Because we're much better off. If we rehearse the stories that glorify God and increase our faith. Matthew 6, 27, Jesus continues and he says this. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? There's a thought in here, right? When we worry, when we're anxious, we somehow think we can control whatever it is that's causing that anxiety, right? We think, you know, we're going to be able to do something about whatever it is. And so we just let those thoughts churn. And Jesus asked this question, you know, which one of you by worrying is going to add any time to your lifespan? Right? Because the thought is somehow, you know, ridiculously that you could add something or change something. Not only does worrying not Add to our lifespan, it actually can do the opposite. I read an article uh, earlier this week. Uh, it was uh, in Healthline.com, uh, and it was uh, 12 effects of anxiety on the body. Right, so 12 different parts of your body that is affected by worry. All right, I'm just going to breeze through this real quick. But number one, central nervous system. Long-term anxiety and panic attacks can cause your brain to release stress hormones on a regular basis and can increase frequency of headaches, dizziness, and depression. What about your cardiovascular system? Anxiety can cause rapid heart rate, palpitations, and chest pain. What about your excretory and digestive systems? They can cause stomach aches, nausea, diarrhea, constipation, and or loss of appetite. What about your immune system? What about your respiratory system? And it goes on. It, it listed it listed uh, examples in all 12 uh, of, of these uh, areas of your physical body that are affected by worry and anxiety. Not to mention, because they didn't, but not to mention what it does to you spiritually. It robs you of your hope. And it robs you of your joy in Christ. Hey, everybody, I got news for you. If you're a believer, you're going to live forever, right? You're going to live forever with God. One of my favorite verses is is found in 1 John. I don't have it. Okay, so I'm just going to quote it for you. But it's 1 John 5, verses 11 through 13. It says, the record is this. God has given us eternal life. 
and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. These things have I written to you who believe in the name of the son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. Why do you think God wrote that for us? Why do you think God had John write that down, y'all? He wants us to know. He wants us to be sure, absolutely sure. If you have Christ, if you've trusted Christ, you have the life. You are going to live with God forever and ever and ever, which means however you botch things. Okay, and I'm including myself too. But while you're here on this planet, you know what? You have him to look forward to. When we worry, think about what Jesus was just preaching on, right? Treasures in heaven and all that. Right. He's just trying to get us to think heavenly. When we worry, we're worried about the temporal stuff. And he wants us to think about the heavenly and to trust him for the rest. Matthew six twenty-eight. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? All right. So I want you to see a picture of flowers. Okay. And I want you to think about the flowers for a second. Um, let's talk about Solomon's glory for a minute, okay? Because Jesus compares Solomon's glory to the lilies. So I've actually just been reading this recently um, as I've been just kind of reading through the Bible. So just recently I was reading this about, about King Solomon. Uh, it, it describes all the stuff that he had. It says that in his palace, all the cups were made of gold. And it's very specific to say not of silver or anything else. They were all made of gold. And it tells you how much gold he had, how much silver he had. And he had so much bronze or brass, it couldn't even be numbered. It couldn't even be weighed. Uh, the, uh, the steps leading up to his throne had 12 lions. So, you know, they were paired up, right, uh, on six steps. And that was the approach to his throne, plus the stuff he wore. And Jesus said that Solomon, in all his splendor, with all that stuff, was not arrayed like the lilies or like the flowers. And again, y'all, I think Jesus used a simple example, right? You can see flowers every day to get you to stop, me included, to get us all to stop and look at the flowers when we're anxious and to think, you know what? If God can clothe this little beautiful flower like he has and put all that in a little seed, right? If God can do that, can he take care of me or not? Um, I want you to look at the flowers and learn from God. Okay, learn about God. Learn to trust him. There's an old joke. I'm, I'm guessing most of you all already heard it. But uh, it's about a guy who worried a lot, kept going to the doctor. And the doctor told him, you've got to find a way to get a hold of your anxiety and your worry. And about a month later, the doctor bumped into him and the guy was in the best mood ever. And the doctor says, well, you look different. He said, what are you doing? He says, I, you know, I took your advice and this is what I did. I started paying my brother-in-law to do all my worrying for me. Okay. Have you heard it? You know, and the doctor says, you're paying your brother-in-law. How much are you paying him? He says, I'm paying him $5,000 a month. 
And he said, where do you get that kind of money? And he said, I'll let him worry about that. <laughs> okay. So again, old joke, but it proves a point, y'all. Let it go. Put it in God's hands. This brings us to our third point, effect, which has to do with this idea. What is the result, y'all, now that Jesus has been talking about these things about anxiety? What is the result? What's the conclusion after we consider what Jesus has spoken? What's the moral of the story? What's our takeaway? Matthew six thirty one. This is what Jesus says. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. So summarize what Jesus said. Don't be anxious. Replace that anxiety with thinking about your heavenly father. Psalm 46 tells us this in verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Hey, y'all, sometimes it's good to turn off those notifications. Okay. You don't have to know that somebody got shot in Chicago yesterday. Right. You don't have to know that. You know what I'm saying? Turn off the notifications, your phone, your iPad, the music, radio, news, the distractions, at least for a period of time. Turn that stuff off and replace it with prayer, with God's promises, his peace. Meditate on those things. See if it makes a difference for you. Continuing in Matthew, Jesus builds upon that very thought. And he says uh, in 6 verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Seek first two things, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek those two things. Does that express the desire of your heart when you get up in the morning and through the day? Is that what you're seeking first, right? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek him, everybody. Seek him, not his stuff. Okay, God's got lots of stuff, but seek him and the stuff will take care of itself. The prayer of our heart, all of us, y'all, the prayer of our heart, I'm including myself, should be, Lord, I want you no matter what else. I want you first. Jesus concludes this section of a sermon like this in verse 34. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, I don't know if you picked up on this, but during the sermon, there's three times uh, in this little sermonette that he had that he said, don't be anxious. The first time he said it in verse 25, he said, don't be anxious about your life. Second time in verse 31, he said, don't be anxious about food, drink, and clothing. And here, the third time, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Why would he say, don't be anxious three times? Because he knows we get anxious. And so he splits it up through his message. And here, the third time, he says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Let God carry tomorrow for you. Take one day at a time. I want to ask the praise team to go ahead and be moving up here because we're going we're gonna to close in a second. And then I'm going to give you an application, y'all. The application for today is simple, simple. And you can probably guess. It's three things, but you can probably guess the first two. So in your application, number one, 
You got it, Ryan? Number one, watch the birds. Okay? And I mean it. Seriously. I think Jesus meant it. Okay? Number two, I bet you can guess, watch the flowers. You like this stuff? (laughs) Okay? And number three, be still and know that he is God. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, you're always faithful. And Lord, I I love the way you talk to us in a simple way that can help us know you better and help us trust you. Lord, I pray this week, each one of us would take time, watch the birds and watch the flowers. And Lord, that we would be still and know that you are God. In Christ's name, amen.